God is in this place. He's moving. He's healing. He's saving. He's delivering. We can never rush the Holy Spirit. Sometimes your deliverance is in your praise. You can continue to praise God where you are. Our time is well spent. Anybody need a word today? Amen. While you're standing, I don't want to rush the word. I've got a lot that God has downloaded in my spirit. I won't have time to get through it all today, but uh, what, what, what he has for you is for you. While you're standing, go ahead and get your Bibles, your Bible apps, your tablets, tailor-made word for you. If you've been following us, uh, we've been doing a series on kingdom. Kingdom. Pastor Kate launched it, reestablishing the kingdom. And then Elder Corinne blessed us last week. Were you blessed last week? What a fire, firecracker she is in the word. Amen. And we're going to continue along those lines, talking about the kingdom. This is a very familiar passage of scripture. And when you see it, you'll know why I say that's a very familiar passage. So much so that you'll be able to recite it. Turn your Bibles with me to the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6. You already know where I'm going. Verses 9 through 13. Chris, if you could turn me down just a little bit. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. When you have a say amen. amen. It, it is really good to see some folks. You know, back in the day, we didn't have phone apps. We didn't have tablets. All we had was this, the Word. Thank God for technology, but it just does my spirit good when I, I saw Pastor Kay and others with your Bibles. This is your Word. Joshua said to meditate on it day and night. Meditate, ponder, to think on these things until it gets in your spirit. We'll begin reading Matthew chapter 6. We'll begin reading at verse 9. As I read, you can follow along with me. You know I'm old school, so I have the King James translation. And uh, I see you, Pastor Evans, Pastor Gaywood. God bless you, my brothers. Thanks for joining us on today. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. 
if you have a red letter Bible, you will see that this is Jesus speaking. And this is the word of God. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the and the and the forever amen you may be seated in the presence of the lord shall we have a word of prayer gracious eternal god we thank you now for the opportunity that you give us we're operating now in your time and so father we pray that you will speak to us i surrender myself unto you none of me and all of you not my will but your will be done even as we prayed on this morning we thank you for your word we thank you for your people who have gathered to hear from you so speak now holy spirit into the hearts and to the minds of these your people father you've given me words for your people so i surrender now to you all of you and none of me now let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight O lord my strength and my redeemer in the mighty the master's name of our lord and savior jesus christ we pray amen for the time that we have this morning i want to use for a subject this morning when you pray when you pray now i know you may have a neighbor you may not have a neighbor but if you have a neighbor just lean to that other side and i want you to personalize it and say when i pray now look at that other neighbor even if they frown and just smile just smile and say when i pray amen amen y'all ready let's go let's go and so uh, when we look at this text, the author of the text is Matthew. That's the gospel according to Matthew. Matthew is one of the three synoptic gospel writers. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic gospel writers. And I know that this church, it's known for uh, teaching. And so this morning, I want to teach you some things maybe you've heard before, maybe not. But we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to move today so that he will speak to you and so matthew i like matthew uh, matthew he wasn't this holy roller anybody can relate matthew was a tax collector and if you know anything about this text matthew is writing to a jewish people and matthew on the other hand he is a jewish person himself he's a jewish citizen he's writing to the jewish people but he's a tax collector 
Now, there's a problem with that. Because if you're a Jewish person and you're a tax collector, that means that you work for Rome. Somebody say conflict of interest. He's a Jewish citizen working for Rome. Anybody file taxes? Anybody have to pay taxes? When you see that IRS 1040, com 1040 form come in the mail, your, your spirit just starts to cringe because you're praying that you don't have to pay taxes. Well, that's who Matthew is in this text. Matthew is a person that is collecting taxes for the people. Tax collectors in the day, they were not esteemed people. They were corrupt people. They keep a little something, something on the side. Anybody can relate? taking your money and using it for profit. Don't look now, but we got some churches doing that. It's going to be hard this morning, but it's going to be the truth at, at the same time. God gives us tithes and offerings, and he wants us to be good stewards over the things that he's given us. But we see today, Matthew in this text, he's a publican or a tax collector taking the money of the people and then pocketing it for his own personal uh, advantage or use. That's a problem with the people. They see him doing this. But what I like is this man by the name of Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. Matthew is collecting taxes, and we're going to jaywalk through the text this morning. We're going to go through chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and eventually land in 6. Is that all right with you? And in the process of that, I got to take you back to Genesis 1 so we can tie all this together. We're talking about the kingdom of God, but our subject is when you pray. And so we see Matthew in chapter 1 as a tax collector. Tax collectors are people that are good with numbers, right? And so Matthew and Luke, they are the only two synoptic gospel writers that give you the chronology or the genealogy of Jesus the Christ. In chapter 1, he lays out 14 lay generations. Then he gives us 14 um, hierarchy generations. And then he gives us or, or uh, royal generations. And then he finishes with 14 more lay generations. Now, how many mathematicians did the math right there? 14 plus 14 plus 14 equals what? 42. I got some mathematicians. Somebody else needs to get the calculator. You've been using it too long. 14 plus 14 plus 14 is 42. So he gives us the chronology or the genealogy of 42 generations. And in that generation, I want you to see some of the people that were in there. They look like me and you. Do you know your people? It's good to know who you are and whose you are. He has some folks in there that he was probably not proud of. Anybody go to a family reunion and you got that brother, that sister, you know, you show up with your saved, sanctified self, and they still got their drink on, they got their curse on, they got their clothes, their drip, looking like they're in the world, showing body parts that they shouldn't be showing, and they're your relatives. Jesus has some people like that in his genealogy. You still with me? We still walking? All right, we jaywalk, and remember, that's chapter 1. Chapter 2, we see uh, things kind of shifting. In chapter 2, he gives us the genealogy in chapter 1, but then in chapter 2, we see 
the birth of Jesus. Jesus comes on the scene. Go back and read Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. The prophet Isaiah prophesies that there was going to be one coming who was the Savior of the world. He, he was the, the, the counselor, the Prince of Peace. The prophecy in the Old Testament is now right in our faces in chapter 2. You know the story. The Magi, they see the star. They follow the star in the east. They show up in Galilee. Herod uh, is the king during this time. And they ask the people there, the local citizens, they ask them, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Somebody say, Herod had a problem. The reason Herod had the problem, because Herod was the king. Uh-oh, wait a minute. Wait, wait. How, how can you have someone that's claiming themselves as a king when here on the earth, I'm the king? That's the problem, right? Anytime you feel a threat, what do you do with the threat? Get rid of it, eliminate it. And that, that, that was the same mindset that Herod had. He wanted to get rid of the threat. He wanted to eliminate this king. And so what he does is he talks to the magi or the wise men and said, hey, when you find where he is, come back and tell me so I can eliminate the threat. I can't have anybody that wants to contradict my power and my authority, want to usurp their power and their authority. And so the wise men, they follow the star, they find the, the, the newborn baby, and, and, and in spite of what your nativity scenes show, there was not three wise men. That's not in the text. The only reason we, we show three is because the gifts that were given, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they think. It, it wasn't this prestigious uh, place that he laid. No, he was in a trough a manger, a barn, right? It was nasty. But, but I want you to think about it. He was the lamb that was slain, and he, he's born in a barn where the lambs were. He was with his people. He was the lamb that was slain. And so we fast forward. They, they leave. They didn't listen to Herod. They go back to their land. But still, the thread is there. Now, we fast forward. We're still together, right? Yeah. Jesus is born. Jesus is born. I'm going to come back to Jesus because it'll tie into uh, chapter 6, verse 9. Jesus is born. Now, there is this brother who's actually the cousin of Jesus, John the Baptist. John is the precursor of Jesus the Christ. John is out in the wilderness. This brother is rough, but he's proclaiming the gospel. He's proclaiming the gospel. This is what he says, John, uh, Matthew 3 and 11. I indeed, I, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. 
He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Did you see that? There's actually three baptisms, water baptism, Holy Ghost baptism, and fire baptism. I don't even have time to, to, to hash that out. I'm just going to throw it in your spirit. You've been taught all your life that there was this one baptism. Scripture just showed you right there, there's three, water baptism, Holy Ghost baptism, fire baptism. It didn't say or. didn't say or. Conjunction, junction, y'all know, schoolhouse rock. It said and, which means all three. Go back, read your text. Don't have time to hash it out. Three baptisms there. He says, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his weed into the garner, but he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. So here we have Jesus the Christ coming on the scene. In chapter, in chapter 2, chapter 3, John the Baptist, he baptizes him. He's out in the Jordan River. He baptizes Jesus. The, the scripture says that the heavens open up, a dove descended onto him. And then in, in, in the, the spirit, it actually says, this is, a, this is God, his heavenly father speaking, and in him in whom I am well pleased. His son is baptized. God is excited. He's well pleased for what has taken place. Because now Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 is coming to fruition. You declare something on earth, but it happens in heaven. You declare it here on earth, but it takes place in heaven. That's why life and death is in the power of your tongue. You speak life and not death. The heavens declare Jesus the Christ. Are we still together? Amen. So now Jesus is baptized. Chapter 4, Jesus is now full with the Holy Spirit. He goes out to be tempted by Satan. The devil. It's Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. And we see this discourse that takes place. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He's hungry. Satan comes to him, the tempter. The tempter, the deceiver, the same one that was in the Garden of Eden, comes to him. And he speaks to him or tempts him in the area where he's weak. He's hungry, and what does he tempt him with? Food. He actually tempts him with bread. Bread. Bread was a source of substance. It was part of the diet, the daily diet during this time. But Jesus gives us a, a blueprint, a template of how we can defeat the enemy. Every time Satan comes at Jesus, he says, it is is written. Go ahead, say that for yourself. It is written. What's written? You got 66 books. It's written. Um, have you ever had to take a, a reading comprehension test? You went into that test knowing that you read the material, so when the questions came up on the test, you were confident enough 
that you read the material and now you were able to recall the information. When Satan comes at you, have you read the word that when he comes up against you, do you have enough word in you that you can say it is written? Jesus gives you the blueprint, the template. He lets you know. And then I like what it says in verse 11. It says that Satan went away in previous verses. Satan went away, but in verse 11, it said angels came and they ministered to him. That word minister to him literally means that they fed him. Wow. God has dispatched angels on your behalf. That, that when the enemy comes up against you, they're going to meet your need. You got haters, you got player haters, you got those that uh, despitefully use and misuse you. And we're going to see that here in a minute in chapter 5, where Jesus is actually getting ready to, to preach this, this sermon. And so Jesus sends ministering angels to meet you wherever you are. They came and they ministered to him. Oh, that's a, that's a shout right there. Yeah. God already knows what you need. And so he's just waiting on you, as, as our praise and worship leader so eloquently said, he's just waiting on you to, to surrender, to, to, to lift up holy hands. As a matter of fact, the way that John started the whole discourse, he said to repent. Repent. Turn away from. Change your thought processes. Renewing your mind. Repent. And so he gives us a template of what it means when we're in the presence of our enemies, how we can defeat the enemy. Are we still together? We're just jaywalking right now. Chapter 5. Chapters 5, 6, and 7 are all one sermon. It is the longest discourse with Jesus. Chapters 5, 6, and 7, they all come together. It's the Sermon on the Mount, but it's actually three chapters that cover the sermon. Somebody said, that's a long time. Now, I got to set the stage. I got to set the stage. I appreciate that, sister. I told y'all this is going to be some teaching. This is a church known for Christian education, right? Matter of fact, when you walk through the doors, John Howard Wesley said it like this, don't check your brain out at the door. God has given you a brain to think. Don't just take everything that I say as gospel. I'm human. I'll error. And if I error, I have to come back and, and admit that I erred. Right? Rightly dividing the word. That's, that's my job. That's your job. God holds a higher standard for me because I'm giving you information. So this is a long discourse, chapters 5, 6, and 7. You know what's really interesting about it? Um, do you all like the seats that you're sitting in? They're comfortable, right? Well, this particular discourse, let me set the scene for you. The setting is Jesus is at the Sea of Galilee. 
and he's at the mountain, and the way that it's set up, it's almost like an amphitheater, similar to this. He gets up in an area where he's, he actually sits. Rabbis in Jewish tradition, when they taught, they sat, and the people stood. That's why I asked you, are you comfortable this morning? I could take my seat and be the rabbi while y'all stand and listen to me for the next 15 minutes. Amen? So we have three chapters of this course, chapters 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. Chapter 5, we all know chapter 5. Uh, chapter 5, verse 3, begins with the Beatitudes. Beatitudes, you've heard that before, right? He starts every one of those verses with blessed. Bless, the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes. That word blessed in the Greek, it means happy or merry. Now, how many of you made the decision that you were going to be a disciple for Christ? Amen. amen, 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 amen. I see your hands. Now, I want you to put yourself in this text. Jesus is having a, a talk with the people. And he's telling the people that if you're going to follow me, these are some things that you should expect. Y'all still want to be disciples, right? All right. You said you do. So Jesus, he starts by saying he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He says in verses, in chapter 5, verse 3, he lists the Beatitudes. I'm going to give you, I'm going to tell you the, the, the eight different Beatitudes, and there's going to be a letter or word for each one of those. This is not me, but I, I felt that this was appropriate, and for the time that I got, I'm not going to go through each one of them, but I'm going to list them to you. Dr. David Jeremiah, he summed them up like this. In chapter 5, verse 3, he gives you the first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That word there, blessed, the poor, blessed are the poor in spirit, he gives the word humble, humble. Those with, those with destitute hearts sense their spiritual need and seek after God. The humble. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn. These are the people that are hurting. The ones who weep over the pain of life can be confident of God's healing and comfort. The Greek word translated there for comfort is also used to describe the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's saying that when you're sad, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, will be there with you. And that Holy Spirit allows your sadness to turn into joy. Verse 5, blessed are the meek. He uses the word harness there. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness, but power under control. Somebody say, I got the power. It implies a humble acceptance of one's lowly position before God, by trusting in Him, 
The meek will inherit the blessings of God's fulfilled promises. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The hungry are those people who seek justice and holiness, and most importantly, God in whose presence is the fullness of joy. That's Psalm 16 and 11. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they are the helpers. The merciful are the helpers. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they are holy. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the healers. And then in verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sakes, they are the harassed. Now, everybody raised their hand and said you wanted to be a disciple. Jesus laid out, if you're going to walk this walk, if you're going to talk this talk, expect these things to happen. Amen? And we're still together. Amen. So now we have chapters 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, and now we get into our actual text, chapter 6. We're still together. It's about to be rapid fire. We, we got to move fast. Pastor Kate told me to take my time, but we're going to move fast because it's a lot of information. And so in chapter 6, we have what we call the model prayer. Ed, if you would, go ahead and put that first slide up. We have the model prayer. You probably heard it mentioned as the Lord's Prayer. But in essence, Jesus is giving us, Jesus is giving us the example of how to pray. Um, when you get your, your computer, it has programs on it already, right? They're templates. Jesus has given us a template on how to pray. It actually would be more appropriate for this to be called the disciples prayer, right? And we are his disciples, right? So he gives us, first, he tells us in verses 5 through 8 how not to pray. How not to pray. He says, don't go out in the public, standing on the corner saying, look at me. I'm a child of the king. Look at me. I'm a superhero for God. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. He says, don't do that. But that's what the scribes and the Pharisees did. They prayed out in public to be seen. Prideful. Selfish. Not selfless. Selfish. Because it was all about them and not about God. Jesus says, don't pray like that. He says, go in your secret closet. And when you pray, pray in this manner. Are we still together? So when we look at the prayer, there are two tenets to the prayer. The first tenet is God. And the second tenet is us. Eddie, could you go to the slide that has, not that one, but the one that has the, the scripture? That one right there. Okay. So, do you see highlighted in red? You see that? 
when we pray, there's four, four times God is referenced. You see in yellow? There's four times that we are referenced. Why is that important? Because every time we pray to God, he responds back to us. You see that? It's like an equation. One plus one equals two. So every time we pray, he says, pray in this manner. Our Father. Who? Our Father. That's relational. Somebody say he wants a relationship with us. He's our Father. A father loves his children. And so when we do wrong, he chastises us when we do wrong. So when we pray, he says, pray in this manner. Our Father, which art where? In heaven. Heaven is not this mysterious place. It's a realm. It's a realm. It's a kingdom. It's the heavenly, but it's a kingdom. It's where the Holy Spirit dwells. It's where God rules and reigns. He tells us that he wants to reproduce heaven on earth. Now, this is where it's starting to get good, all right? Try to, I'm going to try to make it plain to you because we hear it all the time. We talk about kingdom citizens and um, living in the kingdom of God. But what does it really mean? What does it really mean? So Jesus, what we see here is God in heaven wanting to replicate what's in heaven on earth. We still walking together. So in heaven, there is a king who reigns and rules. That's our father. We are his disciples, his children, and he says, I love you so much, but I'm a spirit, and you can't rule and reign here, because remember, can't have one king in heaven. That's God. That ain't you. That ain't me. But he says, what I want to do, I'm going to give you a sphere, a realm called earth, and I'm going to replicate what's in heaven on earth. You're still walking. And so now we fast forward or backtrack to Genesis chapter 1. He, he creates the perfect utopia in Genesis chapter 1 called the Garden of Eden. There was no rain. There was no seasons. There was no sin. You didn't have to farm no crops. You didn't have to worry about what GMO was in your food. Everything was good. And so he creates this utopia, but he said, if I'm going to replicate myself on earth, I got to have somebody in charge. Genesis 1, 26, Adam comes on the scene. He tells Adam to have dominion, to subdue, and to rule over. I'm in the book, sister. Fish of the sea, fowl of the air, every living creature, and every green herb. He says, I want you to have dominion, 
rule and reign and subdue. He's creating his DNA, his blood, his DNA in Adam. And after he creates Adam, he says, in my image and in my likeness, and then he said, it was good. Do you know Adam is symbolic of us? Earth is a place. Adam is symbolic of the human population, which is me and you. Are you tracking? So in essence, what I'm saying, God said, I have created my heaven on earth. I gave charge, dominion, authority to a man named Adam, and I want him to replicate on earth what I did in heaven. Are we still together? God loves you so much because now we see a lot of symbologies here. He says the church is the bride, right? And Jesus is coming back for the bride. Who is the bride? The church. Symbolic because now we fast forward chapter 2, he falls asleep. He sees that everybody has a companion, but Adam doesn't. Adam falls asleep, and while he falls asleep, he takes a rib out of his side to give him a wife. Marriage is between a man and a woman. Period. We still together? Yeah. All right, so we're moving on. He says that the woman took a rib out of the man. The man saw her because they were naked. He said, whoa, man. That's a good-looking sister. Come back, come back, come back, come back, come back. Get out of your bedroom. Get out of your bedroom. Come back. He creates his help meet. Word, look at the word, help meet. He doesn't say help mate. Mate or animals. He says help meet. One that would be beside you. One that walk with you. We're in this together, husbands and wives. You don't have no mate. You have a help meet, your rib, your bone. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. That's what the scripture says. So now they have dominion. God is laying this out. He's talking about kingdom. Have dominion. We're still together. Lord, I'm over time. Pastor, can, can, can y'all give me 10 minutes? Can you give me 10 minutes? <laughs> all right, all right, 10 minutes. And so, woman is on the scene, right? And now there's a problem. There's a problem. Y'all remember Matthew chapter 4, the enemy, the tempter, he came. He came on the scene. It then started in Matthew chapter 4 or Luke chapter 4. It actually started in Genesis chapter 3. The serpent, the tempter, he was conniving. Hey, girl. 
What you wearing? You smell good. Boy, you know you fine. He was a deceiver. He was cunning. He gets in your ear. Because we have senses. And so the, 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 the devil, he appeals to your senses. Ooh, you look good. Eyes. Ooh, that sounds good. Ears. He brings her the fruit. And she touches it. Now it's feeling good. Looks good. Sounds good. Now you eat it. The forbidden fruit. Ooh, that tastes so good. Ain't never had anything like this. Guess what? It'll never taste like that again. That high that you got when you did what you did, you'll never get that again. Not when it comes to the flesh, but when it comes to the spirit, it's nothing like being in the presence of the Lord. You lose track of time. And so he's conniving. Sin takes place, fall of man. And now what is happening, we go back into our text today. God sins. He gives us the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He gives us the five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, which was the law. Somebody say the law. We couldn't live by the law. It's just too hard. Thousands and thousands of law. In the Jewish tradition, they had the mitzvah, and they had the Torah. These were all customs and things that they followed as the people of God. We couldn't follow the law, so then God sends judges. I'm sorry, sent the prophets. The prophets proclaimed, they foretold. What was going to happen? We didn't adhere to the prophets. Told us we didn't adhere, consequences. So after the prophets, he sends the judges. We go all the way to Malachi, the last prophet, Malachi chapter 4, and he talks about what took place. Malachi 4 and 1, for behold, the day cometh, that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. In other words, he's given the last prophecy and in your Bible, there's probably a blank page. Turn the page if you're in Malachi. There's probably a blank page. If you have your Bible, it's probably a blank page between Malachi and Matthew. You know why? Because God didn't say nothing after the prophet. He didn't say anything after the prophet. It's not until the New Testament that now Jesus is on the scene and the prophecy that was prophesied in Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 is now coming to fruition. Are we still together? Matthew 6, 9 and 10, it, it talks about God. Put that one back up, Eddie, with the verses. It talks about God, thy, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed. 
His name is holy. Somebody say holy. God's name is holy. It's sanctified. Hallowed be whose name? Thy name. God's name, not your name. His name is holy. We are made in his image and his likeness. We are holy, but your name is not holy. We're holy people. Thy name is holy. It's sanctified. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. In earth as it is in heaven. Now we shift verses 11 through 13. We shift from the Father now to us. The first four times we mention God's name is relational. Now, in verses 11 and 12, it talks about us. And the second thing is, now that we have a relationship with God, now we can become petitioners of God so we can make our request. First, it's relational. Now that we've established a relationship, now we can make our request. So now the prayer shifts. He says, give us, somebody say me, me. us, give us this day. Your what? Daily bread. This references back to the Old Testament, the children of Israel. Daily bread was the manna that God provided for the children of Israel. He provided manna for them when they didn't have anything to eat. Somebody said, God provides. He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He doesn't want you to lack any good thing. Why? Because you are the ruler and we are kings and queens here on this earth. Everything that he has for us is stored up in heaven. He's replicating that here on earth. Leave that one up, Eddie. Give us this day our daily bread. He provides all of your needs, not your wants, not your desires, all of your needs. Amen? Go to point one, Eddie. So here's the first point. God wants to have a relationship with us. I covered that already. Go to point two, Eddie. When we pray, we reverence God's name. You got that right. His name is holy. Go to point three, Eddie. I'm almost done. You gave me 10. I got two left. When we realign or renounce ourselves with others, we can make our request unto the Lord. Read that one again. When we realign, that's that whole beatitude, verses 3 through 10 or 3 through 11, realigning, we renounce. We, we accept who we are. We're filthy rags. We're sinners saved by grace. When you repent, you recognize like you have this awareness of who you are. So when we, when we renounce and we realign ourselves with God, now we can make petitions made to him. He also tells us that we should go to our sisters and go to our brothers and ask for forgiveness as well. 1 John 1 and 9 says that we confess our faults one to another. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. 
How many of you want to be clean? He wipes your slate clean. He doesn't hold a grudge against you. You hold a grudge against you. Ooh, I, look, I got to sit there for a minute. Holy Spirit says, sit there for a minute. You have to heal. We have to heal. God is not holding anything over your head. He's already forgiven you of your sins. Don't hold a grudge. When you hold a grudge, you're blocking your blessings. I know what you're saying. Well, what if I go to them and they don't accept my apology? You don't have to worry about it. It's on them at that point. Wipe your hands clean. Take the dust off your feet. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. So God wants us to keep moving forward. He has given us this kingdom to rule and to reign. Last point, Eddie. To rule and to reign. Resist the devil or the tempter and he will flee. Resist the devil or the tempter and he will flee. That's verses 11 and 12. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Then we shift to verse 13. And lead us not into what? But deliver us. For thine is the what? There that word is again, you kingdom citizens. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God has given us a blueprint to be kingdom citizens. And he made it so plain and simple in a prayer. What I like about the text is that when you fast forward in verse 33, now you know if you're the king and queen, Ladies, I did not want to eliminate you because you included. It's kings and queens. Where my queens at? I see a lot of queens in here. It's made us kings and queens to have rule, reign, and dominion over subdue. And then he seals it in 6 and 33. He says, seek ye first. There it is again kingdom, kingdom of God, and his, and all these will be added unto you. God wants to bless you. We got to seek him. Got to seek him. Got to be in, in, in a righteous state of mind. Can't go to him as a sinner. You got to repent. Light and darkness, they don't dwell together in the same place. My prayer for you today is that you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And God is going to add some stuff to you in 2024. Amen. May God have a blessing to the hearers and the doers of his word.